Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. And unlike the AAF, our funding's just fine. And unlike Fox Sports Florida, you don't have to go to an alternate feed to listen to us. Your Orlando Magic are 39-40 and and have three games remaining this regular season. We're at Destiny's Doorway of making the playoffs for the first time since 2012. We're right there. We've got one foot in. Just need to take that last step. Let's go. All right, we are the eighth seed in the East, and we're less than a week away from the finish line of the regular season. Uh, We have no magical moments this episode. We'll start talking about the past few games shortly and navigating the final three games and looking at schedules as well and any type of seeding possibilities. Um, I'm going to also ask you, Penny, to try and name all 19 players on the 99-2000 Hard and Hustle team because Doc Rivers had a pretty interesting uh, Woj podcast this week. But we're recording this on a Thursday evening, so you're likely going to be hearing this Friday. And, well, before we get into uh, the main team's news, just want to say congratulations on a great season to Lakeland Magic. They um, made it to the Eastern Conference final game against the Long Island Nets. So they went up to Long Island, and with some of the Brooklyn Nets actually watching them, uh, they, they fell short in overtime in real heartbreaking fashion. Theo Pinson hit this pretty tough three-pointer that, Pretty much beat the buzzer and won the game, and it's tough. Uh, it, it was, you know, they were the one seed. Lakeland was the two seed, but credit to Stan Heath and uh, the GM uh, Anthony Parker, former Magic player as well. And it was a good game. I, I caught the end of it. You know, Emil Jefferson and Troy Copain were really kind of the ones that made Lakeland come back and push it to overtime, even though Lakeland was up during the game. But I don't know if you watched any of it, Penny. But I, it was actually really entertaining and. Yeah, it sucks they're not in that three-game NBA uh, G League final series or whatnot, but uh, it's a great season. Look, this is the first G League or D League affiliate with the Magic that's made the playoffs, so onward and upward. Pretty good turnaround from being one of the worst teams in the Development League to now second best in the East in the G League, and the interesting thing is that the Long Island Nets, I guess, didn't even reserve their stadium dates for the final series, so they have to find a place to play those games. If they want to play them in Lakeland, we'll take the money. I was not aware of that, so wow, okay. Um, but good job, Lakeland. Yeah, so uh, last night the uh, during the Knicks broadcast, uh, David Steele, who's been doing a fun job with the Is This Anything uh, thing every Magic game, he, uh, he whipped out an interesting... Uh, Interesting topic that kind of clashes a little bit with the one we did last podcast. So he did most significant late season additions in Magic history, and it's not ten day contracts. He just did late season history edition or uh, historical late season editions, and none of the people on his list were actually made it into our podcast. Did so not match up. He had Howard Wright, who was bad. Daryl Armstrong, who didn't play in that ninety five season. Who was not a 10-day contract, by the way. Uh, same thing goes with Anthony Bonner. Didn't do much. B.J. Armstrong, other than obviously being a big contributor as a Chicago Bull, didn't really do anything the, with the, the Magic. The only contribution he made is that they had to put a D on Daryl's jersey. To <laughs> They did. They did. You're right. You're not wrong on that. And then Jaron Jackson Sr., 
who I think maybe he's on the list just because Jaron Jackson Jr. is in the league. But yeah. um, And then, obviously, Michael Carter-Williams was highlighted, who we obviously mentioned is probably the ma- the best Magic 10-day contract in, in Magic history. And, well, now he's permanently a Magic member at the moment because uh, his second 10-day contract just ended after this Knicks game that the Magic won. And, uh, and the Magic had to make a decision on who to waive because the only reason they were able to originally bring in Michael Carter-Williams was due to the uh, injury exemption that they were granted by the league. And so for Michael Carter-Williams to play some Magic playoff games, if the Magic make the playoffs, we're not guaranteed there yet, but right. we're getting there, uh, the Magic had to let go of somebody. And everyone, everyone's money was probably on Jaron Grant being waived, but it was actually Isaiah Briscoe. And... It, look, it sucks, but Isaiah Briscoe, he he hurt his knee February 22nd, that first game back from the All-Star game, and he had surgery on it Mar- March 15th. There's no way he was going to make it back this regular season, and he's definitely absolutely out for at least the first round of the playoffs should the Magic make it. Um, I'll go over some stats in a minute, but I mean, are, how surprised were you that it was Isaiah Briscoe, and should it have been a Jaron Grant, or is it a situation where... Jaron Grant's healthy. By default, you keep him. Well, let's take it step by step. I'm not surprised that we picked up Michael Carter-Williams to finish out the season for the last three games. Uh, I'm not 100% familiar with the procedural aspect of it. Uh, You wonder why they made the decision to waive a player today versus once we are assured a playoff spot, because then you can let Jaron Grant expire and you still keep the options for Isaiah Briscoe moving forward. But that being said, look, fans are upset because we have the option to keep Isaiah Briscoe for two more years at the minimum salary. And based on his um, exceeding expectations as the backup point guard this year, fans are looking at that as a cheap asset moving forward. I'll say, I think the point guard position will change it's a, it's an overhaul for next year anyway, right? Because right? I mean, Markel Fultz is sitting out there, and even if Markel Fultz that. is not a hundred percent healthy or not a hundred percent effective, the team has effectively bought the opportunity to run him out there. So he's going to get every shot, every opportunity at at playing meaningful minutes outside of DJ Augustine. Yeah, and really the you know barring injury, mm-hmm. I don't think the third third string point guard will have that much impact next year. Yeah, and look, Briscoe signed that three-year, $3.9 million contract in July, and like you said, like you know, others have mentioned, both the next years would have been non-guaranteed anyway. And so, look, the Magic aren't losing any money on this. Um, they can always re-sign Isaiah Briscoe in the summer. That's, right, that's that my That's my thought. That's what I've seen. That's what... There might be kind of a hint, hint, wink, wink, kind of handshake uh, agreement there. Because, I mean, look, Jeff Weltman found this guy out in Estonia. I, I mean, look, credit the the scouting staff, credit the player development, credit Isaiah Briscoe for improving his game. And there's no question, I think, that he outperformed everyone's expectations of him this year. But moving forward and into next year and, you know, presuming that we continue to be a good team on the rise, first of all, there's no reason that we can't mine the G League and find a contributing uh, third string point guard there again. Yeah. And hopefully, as I said, you know, we we've committed resources to the point guard position, players that are would be ahead of Isaiah Briscoe. So uh, I'm not thrilled. I feel bad for him. He's losing out on 
<laughs> the next couple of weeks, which will be fun for all the players, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of the breaks of the how it works. Yeah, so, look, Michael Carter-Williams has played uh, nine games with the Magic so far. He's averaging about five and a half points per game. He's averaging almost five rebounds per game. Now, is this right? It says that he's shooting 8% from the field. That can't be. Is that? No. No, that's, that's not, not no. No, no, It just that, seems like. <laughs> it's not that low. Um, he's right. averaging also about almost four assists per game, and he's getting a block per game, including a huge one last night against yeah. the Knicks. But All the in about popping hustle eight, stats. In about... 18 and a half minutes per contest so he's getting a lot of run and look we look at briscoe's numbers he averaged 3.5 points per game two about two assists per game about two rebounds per game in about 14 minutes he also played a few minutes for a few games for the lakeland magic but look briscoe didn't really start playing until jaron grant got demoted at the start of this calendar year basically right. around january when the magic were making that all-star tight all-star break area type push basically and look, everyone likes Briscoe. Briscoe apparently, ESPN came out with a forecast panel poll that and that included Isaiah Briscoe getting Defensive Player of the Year votes. <laughs> I want to know who the heck one did that, and two, what the hell they're smoking? Because I'm going to be honest, if there's anyone on the Magic that should be getting Defensive Player of the Year uh, votes, it's Kem Birch. Yeah, Kem Birch, and John Denton pulled this stat out from nowhere, but Kem Birch. Since taking over the backup center duties for for Mo Bamba, uh, he ranks first in the NBA in field goal percentage allowed in the restricted area when he's the closest defender at 47%. That's interesting. That's 2% better than Rudy Gobert, who's the defending defensive player of the year and probably will win defensive player of the year again this year maybe. I don't know. But um, that's just my Kem Burt shout out as well right there. But look. Everyone likes Briscoe. He, there, he, he. There's no way he was going to play the rest of this season. Like I said, he's at least he at least would have been out for this first round playoff series. Right now, Michael Carter Williams is doing a fantastic job, and like you said, whatever long term point guard uh, feelings or thoughts are going to happen going forward with Weltman and Hammond, they don't really involve Briscoe. Briscoe is going to come back next season if he does come back as the third guy, probably, or fighting to become the third guy. Right. So, again, we I, I I'm very grateful for what Briscoe did for the Magic and uh, all the all you know all the service he put in and just he brought that effort. I mean, he look he's not going to score you uh, you a lot of points, but he was the guy that you knew he wasn't going to be a defensive liability, and he was a hell of a lot better than Jaron Grant, and that's all you could ask for, and that's what he did. So let's talk basketball games that actually were played by the Magic. So last time we uh, we left off, uh, the Magic were in Indiana Saturday night. They uh, they won 121-116. to 116. So uh, there has been a theme lately, though, where the Magic's three-point defense seems to be dropping off lately. Um, maybe not so much in this Pacers game, but definitely, uh, as, as the week has progressed, but look, the Magic were first in the league in opposing three point defensive percentage at 31%. It's probably hovering about there right now, but, uh, also I'm going to apologize to Magic fans everywhere for jinxing Nikola Vucevic with all the, uh, all NBA third team, uh, talk. Ooh. His, uh, his defense fell off a lot lately and, um, there is kind of, uh, talks and whispers that he's got a shoulder injury that he's dealing with right now look everyone's got injuries and whatnot but when you're a guy that already wasn't known for his defense that has improved significantly on your defense and you're a big man that kind of relies heavily on as i'm waving my hands in the air on having your hands in the air on defense and whatnot right having a shoulder injury probably not a good thing no so um 
and look, it's a big reason why maybe just some of his defensive activity has been down is that injury. His offense is still very valuable, but he needs to just kind of find a way to get his defensive intensity back up. Um, look, the Pacers in this in that game on Saturday came in second night of a back-to-back. They had lost to Boston. I'm very grateful that Boston and Indiana are duking it out right now yeah. for fourth because the Magic have benefited a lot from that. Um We'll talk a little bit about this game, but 20 of the Magic's first 24 made field goals were assisted. Paint dif- defense and rebounding were problems throughout the game. Vooch had like two rebounds the whole game. I think all those came in the, fir- in the first few minutes. Yeah. Um, Pacers were up 57-56 at halftime. Just p- the Indy had made 42 of those points in the paint. The Magic did shoot 60.9% in the first quarter and then 54.4% for the half, so kind of the hot shooting. Offense basically drove them through this game. Second half, at this point, we're at Rock Pit Brewing. We're, uh, we're enjoying the, uh, the nice facility in Soto. Um, I will say they did have a TV on for the Magic game. Now, it wasn't on any of their main TVs, though, because NCAA tournament stuff was going on, and they had a baseball game on. Who the hell cares about the Cardinals? I don't know, <laughs> but um, they did have one on. You and I kind of watched it, but then you were kind enough to whip out your phone, and we watched the game on there. Fox Sports Go action. Yeah, which that's become more handy than actual having Fox Sports on your cable if you don't know where the alternate channel is. So that's that's another uh, gripe that I've heard a lot of Magic fans have. And who the hell wants to see the Rays this early on the season, honestly? No. so the Magic were only down two points entering the fourth. Uh, the Magic ended up winning the fourth quarter, 31-24. to 24. Eleven of Aaron Gordon's 23 points came in the fourth quarter. Uh, he ended up getting a very crucial double-double because, again, Booch only had two rebounds. Clearly something was going on where he was having issues dealing with Miles Turner, DeMontis Sabonis. I don't know, but um, look, AG had seven of the Magic season-high 37 assists. Augustine had a double-double with 11 points, 10 assists. But DJ probably had the biggest bucket of the game where he had that crafty drive and then a little shot flip to pretty yeah, much clinch it. That so was pretty. Um, you and I got g- giggity excited for that. So It was kind uh, of reminiscent of the last game up in Indiana where we really had strong, <laughs> strong offensive play and uh, strong alcohol content to get us through and celebrate the fourth quarter finishes. At the Lodge, baby. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, look, yeah, it's funny that both those yeah. kids came through that. But now the Magic have had Indiana's number this uh, uh, this calendar year, you know, they had that comeback win January 31st when Vooch was named an all-star and, you know, that we talked about the previous Indy wins. So the Magic have had the Pacers number of late. Again, I'm glad they're duking out with the Celtics right now for fourth because it's, it's hurting some of the other teams that are in that six through eight playoff chase. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for the Magic, it was probably one of the more balanced off- offensive scoring stat sheets I've seen from a nine-man Magic rotation. Um, the Magic bench was plus 17 for the game. Uh, AG, MCW, Ross, Wandu, Birch, that unit just killed it. And I, they're still fishing for a nickname for that bench unit. I can't think of one that's not already mass-produced or sold as a trademark somewhere. Right. So I'm sure that might organically come if the Magic make the playoff. Maybe we'll figure something out on that. But look, the Pacers also shot well in the game, over 50%. Darren Collison had 24 points. Boyan Bogdanovich had 22, which seemed kind of low for him, actually. Against us, for sure. Yeah. The bad part about that night was the Nets, uh, Detroit, and Miami all also won that night. So the Magic then had to fly into a very snowy Toronto as uh, I was watching Evan Fournier's Instagram. The man was freezing his ass off getting off that snow, that snowy tarmac. So 
Uh, the Magic at that time had entered with a six and one record with Michael Carter Williams. They had that point were winners of seven of their last eight games. Um, the Raptors though were at full strength, other than like OG Ananobi and Patrick McCall. They were that's that's it. Um, so Reed Kawhi Leonard played. So yeah. Kawhi Leonard played, Kyle Lowry played, yeah. Marcus All played. They didn't. They didn't rest their big guns. And look, the Magic. I just burn the white jerseys. Don't wear the white jerseys ever again this season. It's just they had a bad record with them overall for the most part. But the first quarter, Magic were up twelve five. Every starter quickly had a field goal, so it was nice to get everybody going. And then Danny Green had Toronto's first five points, and then he had a lot more points. He ended up scoring sixteen points in the first period. Uh, second quarter, Magic are up 42-31, to 31, which I think was the largest lead for the Magic for that game. Um, and then Toronto goes on a 31-10 to 10 run to end the second period. That also included a 19-2 to 2 run. And the Magic were down 62-52 at halftime. Again, the Magic kind of for the month or for the past month or so have been doing this thing where they're digging themselves in holes. And they've been digging themselves out of them. And you thought, you know, maybe Toronto would cool down. It's like Danny Green's pretty much the only one killing us at this point. Yeah. Maybe they'll get it going. Um, and it just started feeling like a bad April Fool's Day joke where Toronto goes on a 6-0 run to go up 16 points early in the third. Magic kind of punched back a little bit with a 7-0 run of their own to cut it to single digits. And then Danny Green just kills us the rest of the way. He gets his 6-3 pointer, which gave him 26 points. Toronto's back up by 17. And at that point, the Magic only had two free throw attempts, which free throws the Magic, I believe, are last in free throw attempts again this season. Not the skill set of the players that we have on the roster. I know, still. but I'm telling you, man, come if once and if we get into the playoffs, the the lack of free throws, it's going to immediately cost us like two losses in a series. <laughs> I'm I'm not kidding around with that, especially if we go up against like a team like uh, the Bucks, who Yanni himself might score. You know more, and might get more free throw attempts than the Magic as a team. Yeah, but um, the the Raptors were up 95-75 enter in the fourth. At that point, they were eighteen of thirty three on threes. Their franchise best was like twenty one made threes. So um, the Raptors in general, though, I, I was looking have been just on fire from three of late and just firing on all cylinders, which actually would end up paying off a little later in the week. Uh, the bench unit did kind of feel a bit of a comeback. Ken Birch had about 30 uh, people fall, uh, you know, show up to the game in Toronto. The man's from t- Montreal. He's got some family and friends that wanted to support him. But he and uh, Michael Carter-Williams helped fuel a 9-0 run. And then the Raptors went back up by 20 again, and that was pretty much it. You know, The Magic did end up cutting it down again with the bench. They only lost 121-109, to 109, but Toronto just... Just too many threes that they hit, and just defense again was the issue. I don't know if you got any comments for that. But. I, it wasn't a super inspired game, but I will say I thought that the first quarter offensively might have been one of the best offensive quarters that the Magic had played all year. Um, and then the Danny Green thing again where Clifford decides to hide, not hide, Clifford decides to put the bigger body of Evan Fournier on Kyle Lowry to slow him down. Yeah defensive matchup is dj augustine on danny green which is fine but once a shooter like that like we saw with wayne ellington once they get in rhythm you got to switch it up and put some size on them especially as he gets to 15 mm-hmm. 20 points five of seven from three yeah it got ridiculous it's, you gotta quick. you gotta switch it up at, at a certain point you can't just stay with the game plan but uh 
jumping ahead to the New York game, I, I think that the effort that the Magic played with in Toronto mirrored the effort that they played with in the New York game. And the only difference was the, the level next of competition, right? <laughs> the Knicks suck. Yeah. But, yeah, the best news about that Monday night was basically that uh, the Pistons, Nets, and Heat all lost along with the Magic. So uh, then now as we go into Wednesday, the Magic beat the Knicks 114-100. to 100. Big no, win. Yeah, big win. You beat the worst team in the NBA, but that's okay because uh, the Magic uh, have had have had issues with teams like this in the past. So, yeah. um, you know, the Magic had come did come back on a from being two and two on the road trip. You know, you go back to that Miami win, right? Very successful road trip. You know, we said you wanted to win at least one of those two games in Indianapolis and in Toronto. Obviously, you would have liked both, but one would have done the job and mission accomplished on that. Yeah, five hundred on the road always a good thing. So the Knicks came into Wednesday already uh, with the worst record in the NBA, They but they did clinch that bottom uh, three spot that you need where you get 14% in the Zion Williamson sweepstakes. So obviously the Knicks didn't really have an extra incentive to lose unless they value higher second-round picks. I don't know. Maybe they do. But uh, look, a lot. Uh, but uh, Mario Hazonia had some very nice things to say with you know, on Twitter before the game and even after the game. Uh, he had a moment with uh, with stuff right before the fourth quarter where stuff does those fake uh, deflated balls, uh, half court shots over shoulder. Hazonia blocked one, and then stuff made one, and then they hugged each other. It was cute. Um, Hazonia got the start in the game, and who knew he'd get twenty nine points in the game? Career high. Yeah, um, I don't I don't know if he. I'm, I'm sure he he had this game circled because this is technically his return game because he didn't play in the last uh, meeting between the two when the two teams went head to head at Amway Center. So uh, yeah, Super Mario he got a little bit of revenge. Had the Magic scared in the middle of that game. Um, Quintessential Hazonia game though, wasn't it? I mean, he scored 29, but he also jacked a handful of 35 contested 35 footers he also got blocked by the backboard on his own layup had a couple of crazy turnovers in transition but then he had a couple like good drives and finishes and steals and it was shot 11 to 22 so we've seen that game but not to that extent offensively but we've seen that game a number of times before pretty close i can remember like a bulls game uh, a couple years back that he had but kind of Similar to that, but anyway, I, I did go into that next game nervous just because I'm watching like sites like 538 and some of like the predictor websites saying like the magic, depending on which site you trust, were like 70 to 86 percent chance of making the playoffs. And I'm like, that's kind of high, isn't it? Yeah. So that was an awful start, but, wasn't it? Yeah, the, for the start to the game, AG and Isaac missed a bunch of shots early, Isaac just missed shots in general, but um. Like Vucevic, the ball directly to the yeah, Knicks. Yeah, like Vucevic. Thankfully, he had ten points in that opening quarter, and the Magic were tied with the, with them twenty six twenty six after one. Magic up fifty eight forty five at halftime, and that was after Vuce hit a three at the buzzer. Fournier was up to sixteen points at halftime. Vuce had seventeen, so you feel pretty good. You're up thirteen at halftime. At a certain point, I don't know if it was halftime or the third quarter, but you look at the box score, and Evan Fournier was seven for eight from the field, so he certainly did his part. Yeah, he's been finding some streaky moments of late. Um, and I mean, look, the Magic didn't even shoot that great from the perimeter. They shot fifty-one percent in that first half, but they were only five of fourteen on threes. But Rebounding, they held. They had a 31 to 17 rebound advantage at the break, and they held the Knicks to one of 12 uh, shooting on threes. So you feel pretty good. But then uh, third quarter happens. 
uh, the Knicks find themselves down a bucket, basically. Yeah. And then Terrence Ross, flame on, <laughs> nine points, three quick threes within a minute. And uh, the Magic go up 85-74, entering the fourth quarter. It's kind of the game that you were hoping Terrence Ross would have in. Because I'll be honest, he's been more off than on of Quiet. late. Um, he thankfully finished the game with 23 points off the bench. On uh, it ended up being five of ten shooting from downtown, but I mean, like I said, when he catches fire, it's it's awesome. Um, I I guess the Magic really suffer when DJ Augustine isn't involved in the offense. It's something that I didn't notice till after the box score, but Augustine really had a quiet game, and he, he needs to really not have those if the Magic are to succeed. You can get away with Isaac having a three for sixteen shooting night, especially when a lot of those are like tip attempts or whatnot. I mean, that's where the six offensive rebounds come yeah. from, but. I mean, AG had 19 points, Fournier had 19, Vooch had 29 and 13 for the game. And look, that fourth quarter, too, the Magic got some real big high-energy plays with Michael Carter-Williams and Kim Birch. Um, you know, the Magic ended up going up 101-88 before Hizonia finally notched that, uh, that career high officially uh, midway through the fourth quarter. The funny thing is the dagger in the game was Hizonia fouling out yeah. because you knew, like, okay, the Knicks are out of bullets. They're done. Um, and look, uh, and also when I feel like we haven't heard the hit the road Jack song in a while, I, I miss it. I, I wish, I wish more there guys were, would foul out. A couple of fans were really into it, weren't they? Yeah. And it's just, yeah, look, it, you know, it's like Richie Adubato's like favorite song too, if you're here <laughs> listening to like the radio broadcast too, but, um, he's only had 29 points in 34 minutes. Once he fouled out, it was over. Uh, it was interesting to see late in the game that instead of throwing Ross back in, uh, Clifford basically closed it with Michael Carter-Williams teamed up with Augustine in the backcourt. Steve Clifford said after the game that it was basically for rest purposes, I guess, because, I mean, I, I don't know. I, it's fine. They, they didn't need him at that point. And I'm again, also of the Stan Van Gundy mind that two extra minutes in the game doesn't offset, like, you know, having Terrence Ross sit out a 45-minute portion of practice. <laughs> yeah, like, really. What's the equivalency there? But uh he he really that that flurry that you mentioned at the end of the third quarter essentially sealed the game early and i think all four guys on the bench had like the biggest plus minus differentials yeah they did they're all like high teens in the 20s for plus minuses and it's wonderful stuff bench group really did it so it was also a sellout crowd very proud of the magic fans i need them to do it again for fan appreciation night tomorrow friday in atlanta against atlanta because it could be the last time you see some of these guys in a Magic jersey as well. Right. But it's going to be like the most meaningful uh, fan appreciation night. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that here briefly because the Magic got a lot of help. And this is why the Magic are now in the eighth seed instead of the ninth. Because the Pacers won in Detroit. The Pistons, they've got Blake Griffin out with injuries. Pacers, very comfortable win in Detroit. Uh, Indy, again, that four-seed race with Boston, really helping us out. Right. Because, uh, well, Toronto, they also won in Brooklyn. They just, again, caught fire from three. Again, Nick Nurse went with, like, a playoff-style seven-man rotation. Toronto, we can argue, is probably, like, the best team right now going into the playoffs in the East. You look at, like, Milwaukee, they're resting guys or have guys injured. Um, you look at Philadelphia, they're still kind of out of sync. They're not kind of kind of into it right now. Yeah, so. Toronto's kind of been pacing themselves all year with the Kawhi load management stuff, and they also incorporated Marcus in pretty fully now. Yeah, and so and when you got guys like Pascal Siakam and Serge Ibaka being like unconscious from three, that fucking helps a yeah. lot. So, uh, but the biggest the biggest game was Boston beating Miami again. 
So, you know, Boston had won that home game uh, against Miami a few nights ago, and last night they won in Miami when the Heat needed it. And now... So what'd that do to the standings? So, your Orlando Magic are the eighth seed. They're a half game back of six seed Detroit. Half game. But Detroit does have the tiebreaker over the Magic if we are tied with just them at the end of the season. Now, As does... Brooklyn. As is Brooklyn, who the Magic are tied with, technically with the seventh seed, but because of the tiebreaker thing, I consider the Magic just an eighth. But we are even. We both have 39 and 40 records. Yep. And uh, Brooklyn, we'll talk schedules in a second, but Brooklyn uh, might be in some trouble. However, looking at the Miami Heat, our Sunshine State rival, they are a half game behind us now. They are in the ninth seed. They just lost Josh Richardson for maybe the rest of the season with a groin injury. That's 16 and a half points per game out the window. Yeah, that's massive. So I don't know. There's some that argue that the Heat play better with Josh Richardson. Okay, whatever. I'd rather find out at this point. You you can play Dwayne Wade 45 minutes. Good luck with that. We're going to find out. But the Magic do have the tiebreaker against Miami. So that's the only team in this chase that the Magic have the tiebreaker over. And that's only that's pretty much the one that only matters. You right. only need one at the end of the day. However, and this is why I love that the Southeast Division title might play a role in this. This is where it gets tricky. So according to hard, Hardwood Paroxysm on Twitter, the Magic, if they were to get in a three-way tie with Miami and Brooklyn, the Magic would end up on top of that. They would be the higher seed at that. So I guess the Magic would be the seventh seed in that situation, assuming you know Detroit is ex- is still expected to maybe get the sixth seed. Right. But if we get a four-way tie between Detroit, the Magic, Brooklyn, and Miami, the Magic would be the sixth seed because they would officially, because they have the tiebreaker over Miami, division champs get on top of that tiebreaker. So the Magic would be the sixth seed. So we're ready to hang a banner again, aren't we? Uh, we yeah, it's it's been a while. We we haven't won the Southeast Division since 2010. Yeah. We're overdue, and I believe in Southeast Division banners. So anyway, we're gonna talk schedule now. Magic, three games left. You have to beat Atlanta tomorrow night. Hey, I know we got to go two and one. Got to win tomorrow night. We just worry about tomorrow night because again, everybody else in that playoff hunt also plays Friday night. So we'll get a clearer picture after that. Uh, we're going to do probably another podcast episode after the Boston game that they play in Boston on Sunday. So we'll definitely know by then what the situation is. Maybe the Magic will have clinched a playoff spot by then. Who knows? Knock on wood. But um, look, Atlanta, they're a lot better than New York right now. Like I said, Trey Young has been ridiculous lately as far as the last 20 games. The man has is averaging 25 points per game and over nine assists per game in those, 20, in, in those last 20 games. Yeah. So the man's on fire. And you don't expect DJ Augustine to stop him. So you have to throw guys like Fournier, Gordon, maybe Michael Carter-Williams on him again. Michael Carter-Williams, I think first game with the Magic was against the Hawks. Yeah. He picked up that technical foul or whatever it was. So head-to-head. Yeah. So there could be a little bit of John going on with that, but we're going to find out. Um, I am proud that the Magic have been very good at home still. They have now won eight straight games at Amway Center. The last time the Magic won eight games at home was late December and early June 2010-2011. So that was, it's good that, again, the Magic, they're closing strong here at the end. They're, they're right, th- they got three games left, but they're closing strong right. at the moment. So you got to beat Atlanta on Friday, and you got to win one of these last two against Boston or Charlotte, I feel like. Now, Boston, they're in that battle with Indiana for that fourth seed. So 
a lot's going to change between now and Sunday when that game's played because Boston could already by then have the cushion they need to just kind of rest some guys maybe and say, right. okay, we got the four seed. We're going to have home court when we play Indiana. We don't need to care about this. Also, the Magic have played well against Boston this they season. Have. So even if Boston rolls everybody out, Magic could very easily win that game. Yeah, I don't want to look too far ahead, but the Charlotte game has scared me for the last two months, right? And I'm just the best case scenario is going to be when uh, when Brooklyn plays Miami the last night of the season. I'm very hopeful that that Magic Charlotte game on Wednesday is irrelevant, Won't and that matter. the loser of Brooklyn Miami is out. Yeah, meaning that the Magic would be in automatically. That's best case scenario because I don't want to have to go up against Kemba, Kemba Walker, who's going to be angry that he didn't make the playoffs, and you know, <laughs> right? We'll, we'll maybe drop fifty that night. I don't know, but. Ideally, also, I mean, if the Magic go two and one, you're forty-one and forty-one. I think that's got to be the goal. And look, we the playoffs are the playoffs, and you want to get in, and it's good financially, and it's good for the players, it's good for everybody. Uh, but to, we've never, as an organization, we've never been in the playoffs with a losing record, and uh, it doesn't mean the same to me as a competitor, right? You want to go in at least 500 to be a playoff team. I know. I know. Actually, I, know. I think I got to correct you. I think the Brian Hill season, I think Magic got in 40, 40 and 42. 42? Yeah. Oh, no. I know one of those years it, they, yeah. they got in, but I, I get your point. Yeah, if you get in 500, you know, you actually feel like you deserve to get in, right. honestly. And look, yeah. if they get in, they get in even with 40 wins. Right. That's fine. But um, look, when we look at Detroit – they got to play Friday at Oklahoma City. Thankfully, the Thunder, who have been pr- actually probably the worst playoff team of late, um, record-wise, like Billy Donovan very well could get fired uh, finally at, at this point. But Russell Westbrook just went 20-20-20 the other night. So I'm hoping that you know Oklahoma City, who is trying not to have to play Golden State in the first round as well, the playoffs. Yeah, they have incentive to get it together. Yeah, so I'm hoping that they beat Detroit and they should beat Detroit even if Blake Griffin's playing but even if he's not and if he's not then you know they they definitely should win but then Sunday the Pistons host Charlotte Charlotte could be eliminated officially by then so I'm I'm I would expect a Detroit win in that I don't know maybe James Borrego can can do a solid for us I don't know um and then they play uh they they host a weird back-to-back they have next Tuesday they host the Grizzlies and then the next night, Wednesday, the final night of the season, they're at the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. I would say maybe the, the Pistons finish the season 2-2, two and two, maybe the rest of the way. I, yeah. don't, I don't know. So I guess that's the other thing is I personally I, I don't want to play Toronto. If I get to pick between, okay, would you rather have the Magic 6th, 7th, or 8th? Obviously, I just want the Magic to get in. Right. But if I get to pick and choose, I don't want them 7th. I don't want them playing Toronto. I'd yeah. rather play Milwaukee, who is, is struggling – and resting and uh, limping into the and playoffs. limping into the playoffs, and you can scheme against Giannis Antetokounmpo. You can right. do you can whip out like the 9 plan for LeBron James <laughs> in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like here right. you go. I mean, Stan Van Gundy might be in the film room with Steve Clifford. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. But and then I'd rather actually play Philadelphia than Toronto, even though. Look, Philly, they've got four scary guys. Well, five if you count Redick. They've they've got scary guys. They do. But Vooch matches up well against Embiid. At least who, from who a scoring has perspective, a lingering knee issue as he always has a lingering some issue. Yeah, and so and then I just feel like that they just haven't meshed yet. They haven't had enough time to mesh yet, and I I, I think I that would be like my second choice from yeah. that. So 
I think Detroit, you know, they they probably go two and two the rest of the way. So I don't, you know, the Magic may not catch them in that regard. Who knows? We'll find out. Brooklyn, again, the, they have the exact same record as the Magic right now, thirty nine and forty, tied for the seventh seed. Brooklyn's at Milwaukee Saturday. I think Milwaukee by then will have clinched uh, that first spot. Finally, they, they if if not, they're they've pretty much clinched it, but. Maybe there's some pride about getting 60 wins. They're, they're a few wins short. I mean, we're doing this podcast as they're playing the Sixers right now, I believe, tonight. I, so. Let's just say we're going to see a lot of Tim Frazier down the stretch for oh, Milwaukee. God, I, uh, that, that doesn't entice me much. But um, And then they play at Indiana on Sunday. So they have this back-to-back where on the road where Brooklyn has to play the Pacers. The Pacers are obviously trying to get that fourth seed. So I'm hoping for a Pacers win there. And then that Wednesday where they host the Heat in Brooklyn – Really, really hoping that um, the loser automatically puts the magic in, and yeah. that and that the magic don't have to win against Charlotte. Quickly talking about the Heat, half game behind the Magic. Magic have the tiebreaker. The Heat have four games left. They play Friday at Minnesota. Who knows what Carl Anthony Towns is going to do? Don't know. They're at Toronto Sunday afternoon. Toronto could be resting guys. I don't know. It doesn't seem like it. I think Nick Nurse is kind of determined that. All right. I'm getting the. I'm just keeping these guys going right now. But even if he rests some guys, that team's good. Yeah, that team's. And those are always weird Sunday noon games in Toronto, right? Yeah, it's it's one of those where you know. I mean, the crowd thankfully is is good in Toronto. Like they show up. There's going to be plenty of energy. It's just a matter of which team shows up in that regard. Um, And then Tuesday and Wednesday, the Heat also finish with a back to back. Tuesday they host the Philadelphia 76ers. It's going to be D-Wade's final game at home in front of the fans, so I don't know if the Sixers are going to comply or not uh, yeah. with them. I, I think the Heat win that one, and yeah. then you again. And then at Brooklyn, at you're Brooklyn. hoping losers out somehow and the Magic get in. Yeah. So I'm feeling pretty confident. Look, I said in the intro that the Magic literally have one foot in the door, and they do. So that concludes our look kind of to the week, final week ahead. I'm uh, going to have some other topics. So Doc Rivers was on the Woj pod. Uh, I was very entertained by it just because immediately out of the gate, they start talking hard and hustle magic from the uh, 99-2000 season. For people that don't know, Doc Rivers won coach of the year for having the magic go 41-41. and And look, that team was literally predicted by Sports Illustrated and other pe- other uh, media-affiliated people to be the worst team in NBA history with that team. Yeah. Um, Spencer, I'm going to uh, give you a, trivi- a little trivia challenge here in a moment. I like trivia. Also, Sports Illustrated, uh, I didn't know this, but Doc Rivers remembers this stuff because he's got an interesting memory, but uh, Sports Illustrated did a ranking of the top 300 NBA players going into that season. No Magic players. <laughs> top 300. Like I, I lose my mind when a magic player doesn't make it like the top seventy five or top one hundred, and, and and this is an accurate thing because they had it posted for players to see, right? You know, at the time, it clearly worked, right? That's ten deep on every team. Yeah, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and so Doc Rivers also talked about actually the free agency going into that two thousand summer. He talked about how Eddie Jones really badly wanted to be an Orlando Magic player, which I felt like that was kind of new because I knew he I knew he was an option, and obviously he talked to the front office and whatnot. But apparently Doc said Eddie Jones really badly wanted to be a Magic, and then he ended up signing with the Heat, so we got to hate on him for that. But um, look, he said the front office, and some of this might is kind of repeating past history or past info, but 
You know, there was a debate amongst the front office of what two guys from Tim Duncan, Grant Hill, and Tracy McGrady they would actually, uh, and Eddie Jones, they would actually want. So apparently all four were on the table. It wasn't like, okay, we got Grant Hill, who, or we got Tracy McGrady, who do we partner him up with or whatever. Or, you know, I guess he forgot that John Gabriel could do some magic and they could have gotten Duncan, Hill, and T-Mac <sighs> all together, which, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to stop talking about that now because I'm going to start crying. But, um <laughs> It's weird. He compares his current Clippers team, which are they've clinched the playoffs, so they're in the playoffs. But he kind of compares his current Clippers team to that Hart and Hustle Magic team, and I don't see it because when you have guys like Danilo Gallinari, who are very good players, just injured guys, and then yeah. like Patrick Beverly, really well-known commodity guy. Yeah. Um, I just don't see it. But uh, trivia time, Penny. Okay. So I want you to give me the 19 guys who played at least one regular season game for that. 41-41 Harden uh, Hustle team, which unfortunately did not make the playoffs. The Magic this year make go 41-41. and 41, They will make the playoffs. Yeah, this, but uh, this sounds like four more people than should have actually played one game that year. One regular yeah. season game, because remember, there's, uh, there is a trade that does get involved in this. Right. All right, well, we'll start with the easy ones, right? Daryl Armstrong and Bo Outlaw. Yes, correct. So we got two. So Daryl played all 82 games, started all 82 games, and uh, yeah, he's, he averaged 16.2 points per game. And Bo, he, uh, he ended up being another uh, Ironman himself. He also played all 82 games. He only started 55 of them, but... Uh, 60.2 field goal percentage shooting, so, so way that, to go, Bo. That was not the year that he was the Subway sub of the year and won a free Subway card that he then used every day for lunch thereafter. I don't believe so, no. So, okay. all right, you got two of the 19. All right, the next one, easy. Uh, fan and now friend of the pod, Mr. John Amici. Yes, big Meech. Right. Uh, and then I have the next two are easy because they were the sign and trade members for Grant Hill. So we have uh, Ben Wallace and Chucky Adkins. Yeah, Ben Wallace. He uh, so Amici played eighty games. Big Ben played eighty-one. I can't. There's a weird reason why he he missed the one of the games, but. Also, isn't this the season where he basically plays a lot of it with like a broken foot, but yeah. because he needed like a, a contract long term, like he just played with a broken foot. So that's ridiculous. Badass. Chucky Atkins. What was our record when he had the fro versus when we had you know, it was I remember it being yeah. significantly better. Yeah. Like fans would call into like the radio show <laughs> back then when uh I guess Scott Inez was hosting it or whatnot for the Magic Tonight or whatever, yeah. and they were visibly like angry. Like we need him to have his fro, and we don't need the cornrow. So yeah. um, Chucky Adkins played all 82 games, all off the bench. Yep, as he backed up uh, Daryl. So um, okay, so you, you what do we got? One, two, three, four. You got five down out of okay. the 19. All right, now uh, my next selection of players will be the Whites. Okay, oh, so we'll go. Let's go with uh, Pat Garrity. Yes, Patrick Joseph Garrity. Uh, he uh, he also played all 82 games. Only started one game. He uh, he shot forty point one percent from three. Not bad. Uh, Average eight off the bench, and so this uh, is his first year after uh, getting traded for Penny. So yeah, uh, he was he, in the Penny trade. He introduced himself accordingly. Mm-hmm. All right, then the next two guys, I'll, I'll give them to you in a pair. Our ninety-eight draft picks, right? Uh, you we'll know get, who they yeah, are. Yeah, we got Matt Harpering and Mister Mike Doliak. So Matt Harpering only plays four games. Yeah. Um, Michael Doliak plays eighty-one. 
And it's crazy how both of them just kind of fell from grace after their rookie seasons with the Magic. And even though both of them didn't really shoot that well, they were a big reason why the Magic had pretty good success in that in that lockout season. Yeah. So, all right, you're doing good so far. Let me know if you run into any issues right now. I got one more off the top of my head, and then we're going to start getting problematic. Okay. Uh, Doc Rivers' confidant, Mr. Monty Williams, right? Yes, Monty okay. Williams. Played 75 games, uh, 23 of them he started, and uh, averaged about 8.7 points per game. Okay, uh, do you start one in hits here? I, okay, I know one more. Okay. I just I, Corey Maggette was still on the team for a portion of that year, right? No, he played the, the whole, whole year. year. It was his rookie season, okay. so this, this was... Okay. Corey Maggette, a very underrated Magic rookie in, yeah. in team history. Yeah. Played 77 games, averaged about 8.5 points per game. 48% shooting from the field. This is when he was pretty much mostly like in the paint mostly. That's just not bad. Getting dunks and like easy buckets. But yeah. um, you did a lot of damage here. So you're missing a few of the trade guys, and you're missing a lot of guys at the bottom who played, uh, who, right. who who contributed less now. So Nick Anderson not on Mm-mm, this team, which no. means that Tariq Abdul-Wahab oh, was good name. on this team. Good pull, yes. A little Sacramento action. So okay. he's one of the guys who ends up uh, being uh, – in a trade transaction. So he played 46 games, started all 46. He averaged uh, 12 points per game on 43% shooting. I love Tariq Abdul-Wahad. He actually played pretty well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, I'm, somebody I'm who... tapped out now. Okay. Um, he, he uh... <laughs> oh gosh. Okay, no, we we've, we talked about him in a previous Magical Moments, I believe. Yeah. So uh, Lucky Lefty with the headband. Oh, oh man. Chris Gatlin. Yeah, Chris Gatlin. 13.3 points per game. Played 45 games all off the bench. I was going to say, I don't think he started a single one of them. No, all off the bench. So the man could bring buckets. Um, So you're missing one other uh, high point per game contributor, and then it's it's getting to the scrap heap. So um, basically the uh, replacement for Tariq Abdul-Wahad. Ron Mercer. Yep, Ron fucking Mercer. 15.2 points per game. Shot 40% from the field total. Uh, didn't shoot threes ever at all. He has a zero percent three point <laughs> yeah. shooting. You know, so um, forgot about Ron. Mercer. One of my least favorite uh, high scoring guys in Magic history. So, all right, you're down to six. So you Still. did a lot of damage. Yikes. Okay. Um, I've actually already mentioned this name in the pod early on. Uh oh. Former former Magic player. Okay. Um, used to be a Toronto Raptor. Very right. famous sister. Oh. You know it. Come on. Anthony Parker. Uh, yeah, Anthony Parker, current Lakeland uh, Magic GM. Anthony Parker played 16 games for the Magic. Uh, only uh, 3.6 points per game was the average. So not not, not a lot in that department. Um, okay, uh, th- this one you'll, you'll know pretty quickly. But um, he was on the Magic uh, 09 and 10 teams. He had a... V- uh, in the 09 oh, yeah, okay. first round of the playoffs against this the uh, Philadelphia 76ers, had one hell of a drive and dunk. The, the first stint for Anthony Johnson. Anthony Old Man River Johnson, <laughs> not so old at this point, would a be part, old 10 years after this. It's but, like a part of two of the top three Magic teams of all time. Literally, yes. Yeah. And yeah, so he played uh, 18 games, started four of them actually, yeah. uh, 3.4 points per game. Okay. Uh, this guy, uh, for a very long period of time, uh, was the shortest player in the NBA. Ooh. Earl Boykins. Yeah, he played one game, though, for the Magic. <laughs> but he's on here. 
He play, all you got to be do to be qualified is have played one game. That's, he he played one game for a lot of teams. <laughs> yeah. Um. He but he scored six points in the game, yeah. so he he made it the most of it, and he, he made a hell of a career out of it. I mean, he was twenty three years old at the at this time, yeah. so this is before that like, was those... fun watching him. I rem- well now now I remember, but yeah, with getting swallowed up in those dazzle star shorts that came down the to his one ankles. time. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure he was never properly fitted no. for those, but <laughs> also they were just baggy in general. Well, I mean, too. when they look baggy on like a fat Sean Kemp, like it's you're in trouble. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Okay. Um. So this guy, he uh, he was mentioned in uh, the Penny uh, '97 Heat uh, series, Magical Moments. Was on the ma- that Magic team in '97. Uh, would end up being a Clipper shortly after. Not Derek Strong. Yeah, it is Derek is it? Strong. He was on the oh, team. God. Uh, he played 20 games all off the bench. I completely forgot about Derek Strong during the season for well, good reason. He played two points. He made. He got 2.7 points per game, and uh, yeah, just. Didn't quite uh, get very meaningful minutes. Although, like I said, he played 20 games. So, I mean, he he made know, his he made contributions yeah. before that year. Yeah. Yeah. So, two more. Okay. Both of these guys are magic draft picks um, from late, well, technically late 90s, we'll, we'll call it. You, okay. Late, uh, so after Brian Evans, we'll say. <laughs> um, that doesn't help. Oh, God. Um, one of them I might just have to give it to you. Okay. Um Oh God! Uh, I'm gonna have to come up with with hints for these guys. Um, actually, I lied. Only one of these guys is the, is a Magic draft pick. Um, so the the non Magic draft pick. Uh, this was his last stop with the Magic after playing a very short stint with the Denver Nuggets. I'm gonna give it to you because I literally can't give you any other hints. It's Kawani Garris. There's no way in hell I would have gotten that no, one. No, no one would, so that would have been cruel. But this last one, I will make you fight a little bit because okay. this was the Magic's first-round pick from 1997. I believe he he's from the University of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Oh, Tennessee. I know this. Um, he ended up also being a Nugget. He was with the Magic, did then he, became a Nugget, and then the came Magic back again? for the Magic again, okay. and this was literally his last From stint. Tennessee, uh, mid-'90s draft pick. I it's, can't give you anything I, else. It's, it's a very it's, generic name. It's Johnny Taylor. It is Johnny Taylor. Who yes. incidentally is now uh, works. I don't think he works with Tally Hall, but he's an Orlando police officer. Is he now. really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow, that's awesome. Okay. So, yeah, Kwani Garris only played three games. Johnny Taylor only played five. They're literally at the bottom. It's but, always uh, funny when uh, guys like Johnny Taylor. Obviously, the Magic drafted him, and he didn't do much when they drafted him. He didn't do much for this part and hustle. Team, team either, either. No, yeah. but it's always funny the guys that kind of work their way back to the organization and also the guys that stay in orlando isn't it yeah so congratulations you did a good job honestly i feel pretty good about it yeah so there's a little bit of hard and hustle uh, trivia <laughs> for you so two more topics um i just want to kind of point this out so bill simmons had uh ryan Rosillo on his pod which those those are all good those are good listens honestly i Used to think Bill Simmons was the most annoying person on earth. He still is, but he actually has good podcasts, so it's really tough to avoid it. Yeah, at this I like Rosillo too. But um, they actually talk about Dwight Howard. They just went down the Dwight Howard wormhole, and uh, Simmons is talking about how 2012, when Dwight's recovering from surgery, from back surgery as a Laker at this point, he'd let you know the, the you know he, he departed Orlando at this point, but he didn't make that Olympic team because uh, apparently he was so annoying on the 08 Team USA team. <laughs> Who knew? I didn't know at that point. But um, And then Rosillo kind of talks about how Dwight shouldn't be a Hall of Famer because of the second half of his career. And Simmons, to his credit, just immediately shoots that down. 
where it's like, okay, look, Dwight, just for the Orlando years, is a, is a first ballot Hall of Famer, not just a a a Hall of Famer. Oh, like for first sure. ballot, yeah. he's getting in immediately. When you've won like three straight Defensive Player of the Years, you've won, you've been a five straight, you know, five times in a row All NBA first team center with the Magic. Yeah. Like you're in. So um, agreed. Credit to Bill Simmons for kind of just putting his basketball mind to, to good use there and just saying no pizza. So. And say what you will about his his personality and everything else, and you know the second half of his career. Uh, you can't take away the accomplishments of his time in a Magic jersey, even even the last year, even until he hurt his back in his last year, being yeah. a diva and a dick and whatever else. He still contributed. He still contributed on the court. Yeah, I mean, he's a big reason why the Magic, you know, were able to get in the playoffs because they'd won so many freaking right. games leading yeah. up to that injury. So, um, I do want to finish with uh, ESPN. Kind of had some interesting, uh, I guess, award predictions with their panel. I don't know how many people were involved, but they had a lot of votes distributed through their through their employees, I guess. And um, Terrence Ross didn't get a single six-man-of-the-year vote. Not one vote at all. Uh, look, Lou Williams is going to win. He should be the runaway winner at this point for the Clippers. Montrez Harrell, he could probably be second. That's fine. I get that. But then DeMontis Sabonis, he's had a great year. Spencer Dinwiddie, great year. That's yeah. fine. And you get to, like, Julius Randle, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Wait a the king. Um, Malik Beasley? Davis Bertans, Jalen Brown, Monty Morris, Larry Nance fucking Jr., and then Derrick Rose as uh, six men of the year. Yeah. Ro- Terrence Ross couldn't get one fucking vote out of all that. So, and, and he's played every game this season off the bench, and he has 200, over 200 threes off the bench. It's, you know, he's been phenomenal. I know he's been a little streaky of late, but still overall this season, he's been phenomenal. He's a huge reason why the bench can actually score. Yeah, I think we... I agree, and we're not saying that he should win the award, but there's no reason for him not to get a third-place vote from somebody on the official ballot. <laughs> yeah, um, I already mentioned the whole Isaiah Briscoe got Defensive Player of the Year vote consideration. Yeah. So I, I do think Rudy Gobert is going to win. There's going to be an argument for Paul George, maybe a Dedekumbo as well, but... Um, it's pretty much Rudy Gobert and Paul George are going to duke it out. I think Gobert's going to take it. But very interesting that Briscoe got awards. And like I said, out of all the Magic players that get it, it's Briscoe, who he's been great defensively, well, but if you got to pick he's one. He's no John Isaac. He's no, he's he's no Ken Birch. Evan Fournier. He's, even, no, he's really, no like Aaron Gordon, really. Yeah, so, so I'm very fascinated by that. Um, Nikola Vucevic got uh, most improved player uh, consideration, which good for him. Real happy about that. Uh, I mean, look, he's he became an all-star in his seventh, eighth season in the league. So He, he did improve. Um, they have Pascal Siakam winning the award, which I, I just have this thing where second-year guys shouldn't win these awards. I, I don't know if you want to agree with me or not, because a lot of it, look, he, he has improved, but a lot of it, too, it's you're supposed to improve from your rookie year to your you know, second, even right. third year maybe. I don't know, but... Um, D'Angelo Russell is what they listed a second. That's probably a better candidate at this point, I'd say, but it's interesting that Vooch got votes and good for him. So lastly, I do want to save a little bit of a coach of the year discussion. So they have Mike Budenholzer winning coach of the year, which the Bucks will probably finish with the best record in the NBA. Um, Doc Rivers, they have listed second for the Clippers. He got them in the playoffs. Also That's fine. Uh, Nate McMillan for the Pacers. They're going to get in the play in the playoffs with, without having Victor Oladipo since December. Right. Pretty fair. Yep. Um, they'll be fourth or fifth, so I get it. And then Mike Malone for the Nuggets. The Nuggets, 
duking it out a bit. Yeah, great year. They probably won't finish with the best record in the West, but they've been up there all season. Others receiving votes. Kenny Atkinson for the Brooklyn Nets. Now, if Brooklyn doesn't make the playoffs, there's then, no freaking well, way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I could argue that if the Magic finish above them, then Clifford's got a better uh, better uh, case. Case, yeah. yeah. So, um, And then they had Brett Brown, Sixers. No, you nah, can't put Brett Brown year, in there. No. Clifford does get a little consideration. Then they put Greg Popovich for the Spurs. I'm fine with that. They're a playoff that's, team. They're going to limp a in. That's legacy vote, right? Yeah, yeah. That's fine. And then Nick Nurse for the Raptors, maybe. I don't know. You, you would expect them to be good with that talent as well. Because it, it they didn't have issues with Dwayne Casey, who was the coach of the year last year. So. Well, yeah. <laughs> you, you can't judge Nick Nurse until the postseason, which doesn't factor in for the award voting, obviously. So, so my argument for, for Clifford is, one, it's his first season as Magic head coach. The, he's literally improving the Magic from a 25-win team to about to be 40. And forty plus maybe, um, and then and that's like the highest improvement, other than maybe the Bucks who are competing for the best record. And you can credit a lot of that to possibly having the most valuable player on your team in Giannis Antetokounmpo. Right. So um, I, I don't think I don't think Clifford's going to win, but I think he definitely deserves more consideration. Like I would put him. I don't know. I mean, it's a it's a strong field. That's the problem. Like Doc. McMillan, Mike Malone all have very strong cases to, you know, arguments that could be made for them. I think Clifford should finish at a minimum third, but I, I don't know. He, it's it's so close, but I, it's just weird that it took so long for him to finally get recognized because, well, the Magic have been on a tear lately, and so now there's like this late late hunt to where it's like, how many of these media guys have actually already submitted their ballots right. for awards? Is I don't he know. a better coach than Frank Vogel? I At, think he oh is God, in today's yes. NBA. He doesn't have the accolades and the resume of Frank Vogel, but to, to Steve Clifford's credit, the team has improved. He's put his imprint on the team. All of that you can't take away from him. Uh, I think what hurts is that if you're comparing year over year, we did lose a lot of games to injury last year to some of our key contributors this year. Uh, but that being said, he's turned them into better players too. So yeah, I just want to—I mean, I just want to give them a recognition because he went from—he had the health issues last right. year, and we're like, what did we get ourselves into? You know, I know—I know he's a big reason why Vooch became an all-star and just the defense. The Magic are a, an elite defense a lot of nights now, and. It's going to play a factor here moving forward, but you took a bunch of guys that the roster hasn't really changed that much since last season. That's the other thing. He basically took the you know Vogel's roster, and other than like guys like Isaac really improving, and then the bench is is a lot better, or just playing more you know, a lot better than last season. Um, you know, it's it's the team's not that much different. The roster's not that much different. So I just want to give him some recognition for that, yeah. and. We'll see if Clifford's got some uh, maybe Stan Van Gundy magic in his back pocket if we get into the playoffs. But we'll worry about that then because we have three games left. And I look forward to the end of the season. Win Friday against Atlanta and then worry about uh, about Boston and Charlotte from there. But yep. with that, that's the end of uh, this podcast episode. Uh, we appreciate you listening. Uh, and any type of ratings, reviews that you can give us are very, very much appreciated. Spencer, what's your Twitter feed handle? At Spencer Strode. At, with an S, not a C. Uh, I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. If you got any questions or feedback or stuff you want us to talk about, hit us up. And with that, go Magic, take care, and just win. Get out the way, get out the way, get out the way, yeah. Yeah. Get out the way.